you think about those uh, throughout the Old Testament and New Testament who have gone after their own, gone after their own way, following their own steps. The Bible tells us numerous times we find phrases such as everyone did what was right uh, in their own eyes. And no doubt in the Bible we find that that is not pleasing in the sight of God. This morning I want to show what we can learn from the warnings God gives the wicked and those who are self-reliant. When we say self-reliant, sometimes we think about the wealthy, but that's not the only thing. Uh, only the, not the only group that's in danger of doing that. Because there are those who, who, who I say just sometimes kind of throw caution to the wind and just do whatever they want. And like the text says, they laugh now, but they're going to weep later. So we want to begin first by looking at and asking the question of what is a woe? We define this, as we find it here also in uh, the strong uh, definition of it, is an exclamation of grief. There's some other things that go along with that, but that's the basic concept there, grief. And whenever God pronounces woes, it's because something or someone or a nation, whatever it may be, is causing him grief. Now, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, don't give your parents any grief or don't give your grandparents any grief. Sometimes when we drop off our children or grandchildren in a certain place, we say, don't give anybody any grief, which means don't cause anyone any trouble, right? Any heartache. But we found throughout the Bible that God pronounces woes upon people and upon nations that have done just that. When God pronounces woes, it's because of the grief of the people or nations that He is addressing. They have caused them grief. It's not because they've made a simple mistake or a misstep or stepped out of line here or there. It's many times much more than that. You know, we think about woes when they're pronounced. It's because there has been a great change or shift in the heart of a group of individuals. We think about to whom these woes were spoken. Uh, they were spoken to those who were in sin and those who were, who were in denial of the truth. Look at Micah chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, Woe to those who devise iniquity, to those who devise sin, and work out evil on their bed. That morning, uh, at morning light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. Woe to those who was, who work out ways to sin in the morning. They're eager to jump out and go do it. He is issuing them a warning because they're causing him grief. Why? Because they're working out ways to sin. That's not how we are to think. It's not how we are to live. A woe is sometimes given as a warning, oftentimes given as a warning, before punishment comes. Because when there's a warning, it gives you a chance to do what? It gives you a chance to repent, to make those corrections before God. As you look at Luke 6, verse 24 and following here, he says, Woe to you who are rich. It's not a sin to be rich, but it is a sin to allow that to be what consumes us. He says, For you have received your consolation or your comfort, which we'll talk about later. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so they did their fathers to the false prophets. While I look at that in verse 24 through 26, I see the idea of woe to those who are comfortable. Woe to those who are comfortable in their wealth, in their laughter, in their joy. They find comfort and they get comfortable because sometimes when you get comfortable, don't you stop doing things that got you to that place of comfort? 
Because every blessing comes from God. So we find ourselves in a comfortable spot. It's because God has blessed us to be in that position. We have a job that allows us to live in a comfortable way, to provide for our children, to provide for our families, to help others who are in need. Those blessings are from God. But when you get too comfortable, don't bad things happen? What happens when you get too comfortable in that chair in the afternoon? You fall asleep. You realize when you are asleep that you are totally defenseless to anything around you? If you have children, you know what I mean. Totally defenseless. So when we get comfortable, we can spiritually fall asleep and we can find ourselves vulnerable to all kinds of things that come upon us. So let's begin, or continue rather, looking at these woes that are pronounced here in Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> now as you look at Luke 24, excuse me, Luke chapter 6, rather, verse 24, he tells us here, But woe to you who are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Now, the word consolation means they have received their comfort. Nothing wrong with being wealthy. There are people who are wealthy throughout the Bible who did great, amazing things for God. That's not the problem. There are a lot of people today who think, well, if you're wealthy, you must be doing sinful things. Really, they can't just be hard workers? Well, woe to you who are rich. He says, we have received your consolation. It, this kind of implies that they received their comfort, and now they stop doing what they should have been doing all along, which was putting God first. They received their comfort, now they stop. The idea here is, woe to those who receive their comfort from riches, and also they have neglected to receive and said their comfort from God. You know, look at Matthew chapter 6, we talked about many times before, about verse 24 and following, in the chapter there, where he talks about not worrying about food, clothing, all those things. That's easy to say, much harder to do. Uh, much harder to do. But when we are rich, and we're striving to be rich, we receive that comfort, that consolation. We pursue that sometimes, we fail to pursue the comfort that comes from God. And he gives that woe there. That is, what causes him grief? Those who are trying to find comfort and consolation from wealth. Then he says here in verse 25, Woe to you who are... Well, excuse me, I have myself. Luke 12, 21. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God, which is a basic concept of Luke 6, verse 24, isn't it? Not rich toward God. If, uh, you see a lot of memes on, on the Internet. Sometimes they're pretty good. Sometimes you think that's a waste of about 30 seconds. But you read those things, and sometimes you read things such as a person who can be rich but also poor. The Bible talks about that same idea, doesn't it? Those who are rich but poor. Here we find here those who have treasures for himself. It is rich, but it's not rich toward God. It is possible to be, to be extremely wealthy, but to be spiritually poor. That's what we find here in verse 21. For instance, we don't want to find ourselves in that situation. Looking at Luke chapter 6, this time looking at verse 25, he says, Woe to you who are full, and woe to you who laugh now. Looking at verse 26, Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. You are comfortable. You have what you need. But what happens if you take away those things? They are no doubt full. They are no doubt laughing now. But they, they will be in need. No longer rich when they are punished, as you find here in verse 25, for you shall hunger. They may be at ease and laugh now, but this will not be the case when the punishment and judgment comes. 
If you look at Luke chapter six, if you look chapter sixteen, looking at verses nineteen through verse thirty-one. In Luke sixteen, this won't be on the screen. Luke sixteen, verses nineteen through in uh, the chapter there, we find the story of, or the some call it a parable, but I don't believe that's what it is. But the rich man and Lazarus, right? Luke sixteen, nineteen through thirty-one. Who found comfort during their life on the earth prior to their death? Who found comfort? The Bible says the rich man did, right? He found consolation. He found his stomach was full. He was laughing, enjoying things. But would come to an end, not because he was doing well in life, but because he wasn't actually focused upon God. And we find later in chapter 16 that when life comes to an end, when they both die, the rich man and Lazarus, who was it that found comfort in the life after this? Lazarus. And the Bible tells us that the Lazarus is now comforted while the rich man, that is referenced as there as the uh, sinful man, is tormented. Not because he's rich, not because he's wealthy, but because he is doing what? He hasn't been obeying God in, in the previous life. And so while the rich man enjoyed pleasures of plenty during his physical life, when he came to his spiritual life, we find at the end of his life that he would face torment, face punishments, as we find there in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 and following. In fact, we find there in verse 26 that there was a great gulf fixed between where the rich man was and where Lazarus was, which means there was no escape. The rich man chose poorly in how he lived his life. Lazarus was a beggar, the Bible tells us there. But he found comfort in the life after. He found comfort in paradise, as we know the Bible explains that as. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full. Woe to you who laugh now. Friends, we must realize that there are those, no doubt, during Lazarus' time, who probably laughed at him as he said the gate. As he... Begged for food. People walked on by. He suffered and he suffered while the rich man had more than enough just crumbs to feed Lazarus. One was comforted, one was blessed, and one was not when it came to the life eternal. Looking at Luke chapter 6, looking at verse 26, he says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. This is a warning against wanting praise from men, especially from all men. Notice what he says in verse 26. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. The false prophets found praise sometimes from, it seems, to all men. We shouldn't want praise from everybody. Nothing wrong with being encouraged by someone, but to seek it out every single time and be upset when we don't receive it, that's not the way to live. He finds here in verse 26, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. I've heard people say, I think that's right, if you can preach a sermon here, you can take that sermon and preach it somewhere else, it's probably not a gospel sermon. Some things do not fit. We think about those who may want to have everyone speak well of them. Is that a good thing? I don't want everybody speaking well of me. simply because there's some people who are wicked and they speak well of you for wicked reasons. I don't want their praise. Christ doesn't want the praise of man. He'll want the praise of God. We want to make sure that we are cautious about those who speak well of us, that we are not seeking simply the, the, the praise of all men. He says, Woe to you when all men speak evil of, speak well of, speak well of you, for so did their fathers 
to the prophets, means those same people who are speaking well of you also spoke well of the false prophets. We don't want that kind of praise. That's not what we're interested in. John chapter 12, looking at verse 43, says, For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Talking about those who will not confess Christ as the Son of God. What happened? They didn't want to be cast out of the synagogue. They said, no, we don't believe Christ is the Son of God. No, 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 we won't say that because we want to stay right here with all you guys. And that's what they did. And they would all go to hell together, wouldn't they? Because they wouldn't confess Christ as the Son of God. Because the all of the praise of men more than praise of God. Standing for truth and righteousness is far more important than wanting the praise and the acceptance of others. The false prophets also want the glory from men, but we are not to be like them. If you look at 1 Kings chapter 13, looking at verse 18, he said, he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And the angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with, with, with you to your house, that you may bread and drink water. He was lying to him. Remember here the false prophet, he was speaking to him. Remember, his, his word from God was, you go there, you come back, and you come back a different way, actually, right? And the false prophet says, no, God actually spoke to me, too. You're supposed to come back to my house. The, key, the text, whether you're looking at New King James or King James, says he lied to him. We don't need praise from those men. Why do you think he went into that man's house? He believed him to be a prophet. He believed probably he was going to praise him in some way. Friends, we cannot be deceived. We should not seek after the praise of others. We find throughout the Bible those who seek the praise of others will change where needed, even if it meant sacrificing the truth. That's not what we are to be doing. Woe to you, he tells us here in Luke chapter 6. Woe to the rich. Woe to those who are comfortable. Woe to those who laugh now. Why? Because they may be living it up but judgment day is coming. We find Luke 6, verse 24 through 26. Woe to you. We find that phrase several times there. We find it in verse 24. We find it twice in verse 25. And then again in verse 26. Warning. Those kinds of people are causing God grief. We are not to be those who find, who find ourselves getting too comfortable in this life. Some lessons for us to think about from these three verses is think about what if God pronounced a woe against you today, against you personally? Is there something God would pronounce against you? Woe to you who are self-reliant. Woe to you who are proud. Woe to you who are ignorant. Woe to you who are lazy. There's all kinds of things God could say about about one of us, or if we, we were concerned about something in our life, what would God say to us? What if God pronounced a woe against you? Are you wise enough to listen to the warnings from God? You think about those woes there in Luke chapter 6. They're warnings, aren't they? The rich don't have to go through torment or go into eternal damnation at some point. They can turn their lives around. Those who are laughing and enjoying the comforts of this life and ignoring the Word of God, they don't have to go to hell. And those who seek the, the praise of men, they can change their ways. That's why woes are warnings. It wasn't doom was coming, it's doom can come if you don't change. We should want to be wise enough to listen to God's instructions and to learn from His rebukes. Looking at Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 1, he says, A wise son heeds 
His father's instructions by scoffer does not listen to rebuke. I think sometimes people think their words of encouragement or their words are or right rebukes, and not every one of them are. <laughs> because the rebuke is based upon sound Bible teaching, isn't it? I mean, I've walked down from here before and had someone say, well, you said this today. It was a verse they were wanting to misapply. Is that a rebuke or is that someone who's confused? A rebuke is based upon what the Bible teaches. If someone rebukes us and saying, this is the Bible teaches, you should beware of this and make sure you're doing what is right, okay, we better be doing that. And if we're wise, we're going to listen to that. He says here in verse 1, a wise son heeds his father's instructions, which means he will listen to him. Now we're talking about here, he, he references this almost like a father and his son in a family situation. Well, we know God our heavenly father. Should we not listen to his words from, his, from the word of God? Well, yes. Does God rebuke us from his word? Yes. He tells us in verse 1 that a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. You're not going to be right 100% of the time. It's not going to happen. I'm not right 100% of the time, and none of us are right 100% of the time. We have to be wise enough to change and to correct what needs to be changed, what needs to be corrected. The scoffer, we find here in verse 1, the scoffer will never prosper Spiritually. The scoffer is embraced by the world. They're not embraced by God. So they will never prosper in a spiritual sense. What if God pronounced a woe against you? Will we listen? Will we listen to rebuke? Will we listen to correction from God's word? If we want to be the best possible servant of God that we can, then we will do those things. Man can repent and avoid the wrath of God. Man can repent and avoid the wrath of God. You know, there are those out of the day who believe they've done so much that they can never be forgiven. We found out the Bible men and women who did incredible things against God and turned their lives around. We think about Saul who became the Apostle Paul, right? That's one of the first ones we think of. You think there weren't others? You know, Paul, when he writes to those in Corinth, he says, he talks about those who, were, those who were homosexuals and sodomites and fornicators and adulterers and all those things. He says, and such were some of you, which means some of you did these things, past tense. But they did what? They repented. They avoided the price of sin, which is eternal damnation, by their repentance and obedience to the gospel. Looking at Psalm 7, looking at verse 11 and 12. He says here, God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he does not turn back, he will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. Notice the he there in verse 12, the first one is a reference to the sinner. If he does not turn back, turn back to where? Turn back to God. The latter he there in verse 12 is a reference to God. He will sharpen his bow. He bends his bow and makes it ready. The wicked are going to face punishment from God. Those who are unwilling to repent are going to face the wrath of God. So if we're willing to turn back, it says in verse 12, if he does not turn back, which means the wrath of God is conditional, just like the mercy of God is conditional, so is his wrath. He wants to avoid it, turn back to God. Going back to verse 11, what does he say here? God is a just judge. A just judge. 
He gives right, he gives mercy and blessings upon those who need it, who merit it, those who he sees fit to give it to, because why he's a just judge. We also find in verse 11, he is angry with the wicked every day. Why is that? Because a wicked life does what? It separates you from God. Doesn't make sense why he's angry with the wicked every day, because their lifestyle is going to pull them away from him, thus he's angry about it every single day. If your child is misbehaving every single day, are you not upset with them probably every single day? Because you want them to do what is right? That's the same thing we find here in verse 11. He's angry with the wicked every day. Why? Because they're not turning back. They're going to face his bow and his sword as is mentioned there in verse 12. But they will turn back. They can't avoid it. The purpose of woes, at least one of them, is to give men a chance to come back to God. Or perhaps come to God even for the very first time. Those who turn back to righteousness and away from darkness will avoid God's wrath. Make no mistake, God will leave no wicked person unpunished. No one gets off free. Everyone gets their reward or their just punishment. You know, warnings come to everyone. We got warnings. We get warnings in the mail sometimes. Sometimes it's about, hey, the eight, recently it was, hey, our internet company's going to come through your backyard and do this, this, and this. There's a warning. We're going to be back there doing certain things. Now, if I didn't see that warning, what would happen if I saw something in my backyard with a shovel? I might think they might be trying to hide a body. I don't know what they're doing. I'd be a little alarmed, right? But a warning means this is what's going to happen, what you can expect to happen. From God, when he gives warnings, what is he saying? This is what you can expect to happen unless you come back. Unless you turn back. Warnings come to everyone. However, warnings followed by punishment come for those who refuse to repent. Just because a warning comes doesn't mean punishment has to come right behind it. When Jonah went to Nineveh, after he finally went to Nineveh, and preached to them. The Bible says at that time they repented of their sins. Right? They confessed. The Bible talks about how they all were, the king put out a, a decree for all them to put on uh, sackcloth and ashes and to repent before God. Did God's wrath come at that time? No. No, Jonah, because he was such a sin that God went up to the hill and watched what was going to happen to him. But that's beside the point. He gave them a warning and what did not come? Punishment, because at that time they turned back. A warning does not mean that punishment is always going to come, but it's always a possibility. It's always a possibility. We think about these woes we find here in Luke chapter 6. We think about those, he says, who receive their consolation or their comfort from, which, from riches. Those who are now satisfied, but one day will hunger. Those who laugh now, but one day will mourn and weep. Well, those who enjoy the high praise of men, even, even those who praise the false prophets. They're all warnings about things, because you find here in verses 24 through 26, that things can change rapidly. Those who are wealthy may no longer be able to find comfort in their riches because the riches may depart from them. 
Those who are now full may one day find themselves physically and, yet spiritually hungry. And those who laugh now or are in comfort may one day find themselves mourning and weeping. We think about these woes, and we think about all those woes we find throughout the Bible. You know, God and Christ give woes. We find Christ here does this, but sometimes they're given to small groups. Sometimes groups like the Pharisees, small Pharisees, sometimes it's to an entire nation. But if you back up for just a moment in Luke chapter 6, you know, we're in verses 24 through 26. If you go back up to verse 20, notice how things are so much different than what Christ talks about in verse 24 through 26. It doesn't start with the woes, according to Luke here in verse 24. No, instead he starts with those who are blessed. You know, Christ has looked at many times as being a very negative preacher. Because he talks about sin and hell a lot, so I guess that's negative. But it's really a lot of times about how to avoid hell and how to come out of sin, isn't it? It doesn't sound negative to me. But anyway, verse 20, he says here, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when you when men hate you and when they ex- exclude you and revile you and cast you out, cast your name as evil, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets, not the false prophets, but to the prophets. What is he reminding us? that when you follow God, there's going to be a price. We may be hungry physically, we may be thirsty physically, but there's going to come come a time of Christ where God will fulfill every one of those needs. We find in verses 20 20 through 23 how that fulfillment is coming. And we find in verses 24 through 26 how how their blessings, so to speak, are being taken away. You know why that is? One is seeking righteousness. They're going to have that fulfillment. And that fulfillment is going to last, isn't it? Unlike those in verse 24 through 26, where their pleasures are going to be taken away, they will not return unless they come back or come to God for the very first time. See, God's fulfillment lasts. It endures. It endures persecution, it endures tough times, it endures those who hate you, who exclude you, who revile you and cast you out. It endures all those things. His blessings remain, unlike those that come from the world. Friends, we think about these warnings here in Luke chapter 6. Let us be mindful of them. And let us make sure there are always those who are striving to put God first. Because if we do not, what blessings we enjoy today may not be there tomorrow. Let's make sure we're always doing that which is good and pleasing in the sight of God. This morning, as you think about these things, if we can help you or encourage you in any way, we'd love to do so. That's going to be saying, sing the song that's been selected.